one size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a t-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Chapter 13, Nicholas Flamel. Dumbledore had convinced Harry not to go looking for the mirror of Erised again, and for the rest of the Christmas holidays, the invisibility cloak stayed folded at the bottom of his trunk. Harry wished he could forget what he'd seen in the mirror as easily, but he could. I'm Vanessa Zoltan. And I'm Casper Terkyle. And this is Harry Potter and the Sacred Text. Before we start the show, we want to say a huge thank you to each of you that has been sharing the podcast with friends or family. It's been so exciting to see new listeners join us on our journey. To help other people find us, we'd love if you would rate or review us, especially on iTunes. So if there's something that you like about the podcast or something you think we should do better, please let us know. We'd be so, so grateful. Thank you. When I was eight years old, I had something on my finger, so my mom took me to the dermatologist, and he diagnosed it as a wart. And we had to schedule an appointment for it to get frozen off, and, you know, we scheduled the appointment for about a week out, and I was upset that I had to get it frozen off because he told me, you know, you couldn't get it wet for, like, a week, and it was the summer, and we went to the beach and the pool and stuff over the summer, and so I was bummed about having to get it frozen off. And so he said to me, you know, Vanessa, sometimes if you talk to your wart and say positive things to it and hope for it to go away, it'll go away on its own and then you wouldn't have to get it frozen off. And I just remember looking at him and thinking, that is the dumbest thing I've ever heard. There's no way that talking to a wart is going to make it go away. I'll see you in a week. And to this day, I often find myself thinking that hope can be silly, but there are all these studies that show that, you know, hopeful cancer patients have a much higher likelihood of having the chemotherapy work beneficially on them. And and certainly I think that sometimes the only thing that you have left to do is hope, and hope can be a really powerful force. So I'm excited to read this chapter through the theme of hope and 
really to teach myself through this conversation with you, Casper, about how hope can be a tool that we use. Because from a very young age, I have had absolutely no faith and hope. Vanessa, we're going to talk a lot more about hope in just a second. But first, we need to recap our chapter. And then you're going first. So get ready. I actually have news on the 30 second challenge, which is that I'm still beating you, but I just found out from my brothers and sister-in-law and parents that they have not been voting. So they are just now going to start voting. So I've been killing you without any familial support. How does that make you feel? This is the thing. I think they're lying to you. I think they're coddling you. No, they just asked me how to vote. (laughs) It was hurtful. (laughs) I was like, what else are you doing with your time? You ready? Yes. Three, two, one, go. In this chapter, Harry is practicing a lot for Quidditch. He actually finds out that Snape is going to referee the big match between Hufflepuff and Gryffindor, in which Gryffindor can actually be in first place for the House Cup for the very first time. And so he's super stressed about that. And then also they figure out who Nicholas Flamel is, and he invented the Sorcerer's Stone and still has it. And then Harry catches the snitch. Snape doesn't do anything bad. And he follows Harry follows Quirrell and Snape into the forest, and then he finds out that Snape knows what the Sorcerer's Stone is. Whoa. That was really bad. No, that what you you held it together at the end. <sighs> I don't Okay. I'm impressed. I I feel like I didn't realize how much happens. A lot happens. Oh, a lot happens. Okay. Let's see. All right. Best of luck to you, my friend. Thank you. On your mark, get set, go. Harry's very nervous for the big Quidditch match, but he catches the snitch within seconds of the match starting, even though Ron and Hermione had prepared themselves with a, a leg lock curse just in case something went wrong because Snape was refereeing. Then um, uh, uh, Harry floats over after the match to go over the Forbidden Forest and hears Quirrell and Snape talking. And Snape says, like, oh, don't try your tricks on me. And um, Quirrell's like, but, 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 but what? What did I do? And anyway, Snape totally finds out. But it looks like Snape is the baddie. And there we go. I'm just like chill yeah neither of us hit neville at all i mean like we missed some big things but you know go us we were very sportsmanlike this week very generous which was a nice change so vanessa tell me where did you see hope in this chapter what what struck you so i want to start with what i think of as the sinister side of hope so um Hermione and Ron are so convinced that Snape is going to hurt Harry during the Quidditch match that there's this great line where Hermione says, pretend that you break your leg just to get out of the game. And Ron says, actually break your leg, break your leg, like do whatever you have to do to get out of this game because you might die. And so Hermione and Ron practice the leg locking curse. And they're all prepared to save Harry if Snape is acting nefariously. And and I believe that they hope that Harry doesn't die. But don't you sort of think that they also are hoping that a little something goes wrong just for the drama of it and the adventure of it? And I was just – I'm thinking about all the times that, like, I have – had a big test or something the next day and you go to bed with a tickle in your throat and you sort of hope that you wake up with a really sore throat so you don't have to go to school tomorrow, right? Like there's an underbelly of hope where you almost hope something bad happens just for the fun of it. 
Well, they had such a like excitement hit with those with that troll. They're beginning to feel that adrenaline rush and like they need another hit. They're like, let's have a Quidditch disaster and we'll be ready and everyone will love us because we'll do a leg lock curse. Don't you think that that's something that they might be hoping for? It's not inconceivable. And I feel like knowing these characters as we do, <laughs> it's very much in keeping. You know, I don't think it's totally in the text. I think I'm probably projecting my own like sometimes sinister hopes on to them right now. But what I do know is the moment of hope that I completely validate and completely believe in is the moment when Hermione, who had all of her fingers crossed in her lap, was squinting fixedly at Harry. And then later she um, put her crossed fingers in her mouth, right? And our beloved Hermione, who is so action-oriented and who has been studying up uh, as to how to help Harry, um, at a certain point finds herself in a moment of desperation just crossing her fingers and stuffing her fingers in her mouth. And that's when I find hope helpful. When you've done everything that you can and there's nothing left to do, that's when I'm like, yes, now we hope. But hope a second before that just drives me crazy. Because there's practical things that you can do. There's still practical things you can do. It's just inaction. I think it can lead you to doing silly things. It just... I think that hope is often used as a tool of oppression is honestly what it is, that people in power will say to people who have less power, well, you're going to have a better life in the next life, you know, and that is the hope that people are offered. Or your children will have opportunities you didn't have. Right. So suck it up in this life. Or, you know, the lottery, right? Like there's a hope that you can win $500 million. And I just think people of privilege don't. They spout hope, and yet they don't live their lives on a lot of hope. And and so I do not judge people who rely on hope because I think that often there aren't other options. They are in those foxholes. You know, it's I have done everything I can this week, so I'm also for $1 going to buy a lotto ticket, which is buying myself some hope for this week. And I think that that is great. But screw the people who set up the lotto and, like— create this false hope. Like, let's create a better education system for people to put actual hope in, and let's stop creating these tools of oppression that we call hope. And that is where my frustration with hope is, is that I feel like it's just been taken over in ads as something that is gross and manipulative. Oh, that sparks so many thoughts, Vanessa, because You know, you really painted a picture of Hermione sitting there with her fingers crossed and then with her fingers in her mouth. Um, And she is, you know, she's so overcome with with tension and with, um, you know, she's she's clearly investing so much in this hopefulness. And I think one of the things that's frightening about hope is that we we make ourselves vulnerable because, as you say, we have done or we should by that point have done everything that we could to influence the situation. And all we can do now is just wait and, and hope or pray or whatever it is. But we are no longer the ones in control. And I think Hermione is just like overcome with that kind of awkwardness of just Argh! I think that that is part of why I hate hope, is that whenever I've had to feel hope, what I've actually been feeling is desperation, and so I've turned to hope. So it has this negative connotation for me, whereas the positive connotation of hope, if we're going to use sort of the other definition of it, is that we see Harry gives Neville hope in himself in this chapter, right? 
It's such a lovely moment. You know, we see um, Neville being kind of ridiculed and excluded, and he's maybe beginning to feel like, you know, it, should he be in Gryffindor, you know, the home of the brave? And Harry has said to, to Neville, you know, you're worth 10 of Malfoy. And we see Neville get confronted with Malfoy, Crabbe, and Goyle, and then say exactly those words, I'm worth 10 of you, Malfoy, or, or something to that effect. And so you can see how Harry kind of giving him this sense of hope in himself is now changing Neville's own behavior, which is, it's a beautiful moment. It is a beautiful moment, but also it moves Neville to enact violence. Well, he's defending himself. I mean, he does end up with a black eye, so that's... He's defending himself against words with violence. I mean, yes, we can talk about bullying, and I was actually raised that, you know, if somebody bullies you, you up it 10 times. Punch him in the face. Yeah, Yeah, I, 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 I was very specifically raised with that mentality. But again, like, I just want us to see the sinister side of hope. Like, it is wonderful that Neville has been given this hope in himself. And I think it speaks to how being kind to people can give them hope in themselves. But also, it causes violence. So I know we're jumping a little bit ahead in the story here. But I'm thinking of a moment when In my own experience, kind of, you know, a national sense of hope happened. And obviously in America, for a lot of people, 2008, the election of Barack Obama was a a big moment. In England, I remember the Summer Olympics of 2012 that were hosted in London just felt like such a hopeful moment for Britain to see itself as as diverse and successful and generous, um, really the best of who we could be. And of course, you look at the political situations in both those countries now, and it looks very different. But as we think about what happens in the next couple of books, as the story takes a turn, you know, really towards a more frightening political, social landscape, the things that give people hope are these characters in these books that give them hope, whether it's, you know, an illicit radio uh, broadcast or it's love of a partner or friends or family. Um, you know, those those connections of hope are so that can be so motivating. And I think we see a glimpse of it here because, you know, Harry's very frightened to go onto the Quidditch pitch because Snape is going to referee and he doesn't trust Snape. But the moment he hears that Dumbledore will be present at the match, he has hope that everything will be fine. And it gives him confidence to go out and catch the snitch in like five seconds right, or something. Absurd. fastest ever. Right, fastest ever time. So there is something, you know, and I, I think this mirrors the Neville piece, which is that, Hope can help us do things that are really brave and difficult and beyond what we thought we were capable of. Yes. I just think that I think that we use hope way too early as a society. And I guess what I'm calling for is not for no hope, but I am calling for a critical use of hope. And I mean, what a wonderful thing to do when You've tried everything else and you got to hold, you know, put your hands up. And rather than being like, I guess there's nothing else I can do, then being like, and now I'm going to hope. Right. Um, When I was eight, around the time that I got that wart, my father was diagnosed with a brain tumor. And my mom, you know, took him to every, he's fine. You know, I'm 34 now and he's still alive and well. And um, my mom drove him from, you know, every doctor's appointment to different neurosurgeons and everything. And at the end of the day, while he was sitting in that surgery, all she did was hope, right? And I just think that you have to drive around to all those doctor's appointments first. And then you get to hope. And then you get to hope. Then not only do you get to hope, but hope is a radical act 
of like optimism and it's it's beautiful but hope before that just drives me crazy (laughs) yeah i totally get that vanessa and what i've learned from you this morning is that you know the way to think about hope critically means to look for when we're using it as a way to excuse or to hide the work that needs to be done um, and when we say we have done the work that needed to be done and now let's let's hope and you know who knows what will happen? So that's that's really helpful for me, just as a distinction. And in those situations, I just think hope is so beautiful. It's like, and now let's hold hands and hope and throw a party and right, like we've done be joyful. We've done what we could do. Yeah. Vanessa, you introduced us to the Jewish practice of Havruta last week. And of course, in many ways, our whole podcast is an example of that, right? There's two of us sitting here with a text, diving in, discussing. Um, and I love the way that you described that the truth is not in your argument or mine, but it's between us. It's in the conversation. So the question that I have for you today is this one. I noticed that when all the students and the staff are coming to the Quidditch match, it was unusual that Hermione and Ron brought their wands. And so my question to you is, you know, what does it tell us about the wizarding world? What does it tell us about life that when, you know, the school goes to watch this sporting event, no one brings their wands? And I think the simple solution is, you know, you're walking far, you want to sit comfortably, you're going to probably break it if you sit on it, right? And it says something about the peacefulness and goodwill of that moment. But I think there's more in this question than meets the eye, and I'm curious for what you think. I don't know if this is a rigorous enough answer, so you'll have to push me. But I'm just thinking about those moments where I don't take my cell phone with me. And it's often when I'm with my closest friends and it's just I sort of look at my phone and I'm like, who else is going to call me? Everyone who calls me is here. So I think that there is something if I'm scared, if I'm going somewhere scary, I bring my phone. And if I'm going somewhere with like only people I love, then I don't need my phone. So I think that there's um, a faith in it. And I think there's also... What we see is that to some extent we carry around these wands or these cell phones or flashlights. Like it's um, an embodiment of fear to carry around a tool, right? If you know exactly where you're going and exactly what you're doing and, you know, you can go without anything. What I love about that answer is that, of course, at this Quidditch match – you know, it's not just, as you say, your friends in, in your context, but there's a whole bunch of people that people either don't know or maybe not like very much. And yet there's the norm or at least there's a sort of commitment to not bring that fear with them or not bring that tool of both of power of good and bad with them. It's sort of it levels everyone in a way. And I'm just beginning to see Quidditch less as like, oh, let's go watch the game, but more as a sort of maybe this is the time where – the wizarding world kind of comes to 
be amongst equals or put aside, ironically, because it is so much about competition between the two teams, but the rest of the priorities of skill or work, because these are tools of work as well, of course, you know, the ones they're left behind. So it's sort of a Sabbath, sort of a Sabbath experience. That's what I'm thinking about. And especially, I mean, I do this tech Sabbath thing where on a Friday night, I will turn off my phone and my laptop and put them away in a drawer and I light a little candle. I sing a little song to myself to really try and make clear that we're moving from a time of connectedness and work and busyness to a time, you know, 24 hours of rest. Um, And of course, that comes from the Jewish Sabbath practice, you know, and this wonderful Jewish theologian, Abraham Joshua Heschel, described it as a cathedral in time. And so I'm beginning to see Quidditch maybe as that as well, like a time out of time in a way. Yeah. That just makes me think, though, Casper, that if I took your phone away from you on a Thursday night to Friday night, that that would be... I would freak out. You would punch me in the face like Neville punches Draco. But when we surrender things, right, when we choose not to take our wand somewhere, it's beautiful. But it's an act of violence to, you know, take Hagrid's wand away from him, right? So the choicefulness... And when we disarm ourselves, right, it's an act of violence or it's an act of peace. Absolutely. I love that we got here from talking about Quidditch and Wands. (laughs) (laughs) I love this practice. You just get somewhere really interesting. Thanks, Vanessa. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a -a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a T-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. So, Casper, it's now time for blessings. And part of what I love about blessings is that it's a time to hope certain things for certain people. So I'm going to bless Hermione this week, which it is always a gift to have an opportunity to bless Hermione. Um, I'm going to bless Hermione for finding time for recreational reading, even in her very busy study schedule. And even though Her recreational reading sounds awful to me. She's reading this, like, huge book. She's rewarded by 
you know, her ability to know more about Nicholas Flamel once they figure out who he is and then give information about the Sorcerer's Stone. And actually, her recreational reading proves useful throughout the seven books. And um, I am someone who, no matter how busy I am in the mornings, I will set my alarm even earlier so that I get half an hour of recreational reading time every day. And I love that Hermione is showing us that recreational reading can pay off in beautiful and unexpected ways. So I'm going to bless Hermione for even though she's so stressed about exams and all the work that she has to do, um, she's still finding time to read for fun. My blessing is I'm slightly cheating because it's for two people, but it is for Mr. and Mrs. Flamel because they have been married for more than 500 years, which I've been married two months. And like that is seriously impressive. (laughs) Not just because they've been together, but like all their friends have died, like all their family has died, and they have just got each other. And it seems that they're still happy. You know, Mr. Flamel loves the opera, and I'm sure Perenelle Flamel enjoys her quiet life in Devon as well. But there's just a very, I don't know, they must be a very remarkable couple to make it so far together. So to anyone who's having a tough time in their love life with their partner, look at the Flamels for some example. (laughs) I agree. And, like, they didn't know when they got married. That it was right. Like, she didn't know, like, I say yes to you, Nicholas, for the next 500 years. <laughs> Good for her. So this week's voicemail is from Hannah McGregor, who is half of the Witch Please podcast. And we're really excited to have a blessing from her. She's going to talk about Lavender Brown, um, who's a character we haven't met yet, but is a character who gets a lot of flack and is teased a lot and is a great female character. And I'm really excited to have Lavender discussed in a week in which Hermione was my only option for someone, for a woman to be blessed. So thank you, Hannah and Witch Please, for this voicemail. This is Hannah McGregor, co-host of the fortnightly podcast Witch Please, and I'm offering a blessing to Lavender Brown. Lavender is the victim of all kinds of shenanigans on the part of the book, which paints her as a silly, giggly girl and the movies, which recast her as white the second she has a speaking role. But Lavender is a total badass. She knows what she wants and what she believes in, Ron and Divination, respectively, and no amount of petty teasing will shake her from her course. And when Professor Trelawney saves her from Fenrir Greyback at the Battle of Hogwarts, we get a real concrete example of the bonds Lavender has formed with her professor by taking Divination seriously. You can check out the rest of our opinions on Harry Potter on Twitter at OwitchPlease, on our website, OwitchPlease.ca, or by subscribing to WitchPlease wherever podcasts are found. Thank you so much, Hannah. I love, love that voicemail. Um, And for all the listeners who are interested in more Harry Potter conversations, we highly recommend Witch Please, two fabulous women with a feminist take on the stories and the kind of broader world of Harry Potter. So do check out Witch Please. And thank you for listening to Harry Potter and the Sacred Text. Next week is a slightly unusual week. I'm going to be in England celebrating uh, my wedding with my family. So I won't be here in the studio, but Vanessa and Ariana are cooking up something special. So there'll be a, a nice piece of special content for you to download next week. We'll be back with Chapter 14, Norbert, the Norwegian Ridgeback, reading it through the theme of rebellion the week after that. So I hope you'll join us.
And um, Casper's voice will still be included next week. We couldn't ever do it without him. So this week's episode of Harry Potter and the Sacred Text is produced by Casper Turkile, Ariana Nettleman, and me, Vanessa Zoltan. We would like to encourage you again to subscribe and review wherever it is that you listen to this podcast. Also, please follow us on Twitter, Instagram, Tumblr, and Facebook, where we continue the conversation, have bonus content, and send updates and announcements. We would like to thank Jen Stark, our social media coordinator. A big thank you to Bridget Goggin, who really talked me through how to do Havruta well. We'd like to thank our Kickstarter supporter of the week, Tomasa Bogia. Our music, of course, is by Ivan Pizzo and Nick Bull. We'd like to thank Rebecca and Charlie Ledley, Lauren Taylor, Shane Bannon, and Rufus, the Harvard Communications Office, the Humanist Hub, and you, our listeners, as we are now hitting about 1,000 listens a day. Thank you for spreading the word. And of course, as always, our Harry Potter and the Sacred Text reading group. Thank you. Thank you. There are no other women in this chapter. Literally tell me about another woman in this chapter. Nicholas Flamel's wife. <laughs> okay. Aronel. Who is a couple of years older than her husband, and that's hot. <laughs> I love that. Okay, let's bless her. Do you know what? I was going to bless Hermione for this really, like, beautiful reason. But I'm going to bless Nicholas Flamel's wife for being a cradle robber and being hot and dating someone younger. I think it's a three-year difference. She has a name. Her name is Perinel. Okay. (laughs) I bless you, Perinel Flamel, for having a rhyming name and marrying a younger man. She's a, she's actually younger than oh, Nicholas. She is? Yeah. Damn it. I read it wrong. I also like I also say Flamel, but I was saying like why not Flamel? <laughs> a Flamel. <laughs> because that's not how anybody pronounces it. What if we just call him Nicholas Flannel? Yeah. <laughs> or just like make up a name. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 